This episode is sponsored by Free Market Kids. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Orange Hatter. Today, you're listening to part three of my conversation with Elizabeth. Can you explain that a little bit more? How does Bitcoin give you the gift of time? Because you don't have to worry. I think you don't really need to worry about, um, like, say you're on a fixed income. Mm -hmm. And if you had saved in Bitcoin, you, you just... You know that your your money is not um, degrading. It's it's getting it gets stronger every ten minutes that Bitcoin is running. It gets stronger every time a new block is formed because all uh, I don't know maybe I'm getting into the weeds of it, but every time as as time goes on, the network of Bitcoin get stronger and more secure. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you'll learn about if you, you know, keep learning about Bitcoin, why it works. And so that it is important to learn about because otherwise it just seems like silly money that somebody made up and those who are in first get to, to reap the rewards. But it doesn't, you know, but why, why hasn't it just disappeared? Right. And... I think just as long as it keeps running, it'll it'll bring about just more interest in it as well. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. So when we're talking about every ten minutes it gets stronger and every block is mined, we're talking about the mining the protocol, the network. And I think a lot of people new to Bitcoin or or what we call pre-corners, they look at Bitcoin purely from the point of view of the money exchange part, but they, they're they not looking at the protocol, which is the entire network, which secures it in the first place. And when it comes to time saver, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And for me, the time saver is I don't feel like I have to go out and look for investment opportunities, which requires study. and uh, investment of effort to preserve the purchasing power of the money that I saved today. If you believe in Bitcoin and its protocol and the security provides, you convert your fiat to Bitcoin and then you can just relax after that. You, you of course, keep studying and keep up with, you know, what's going on, but it's not like you have to actively um, manage it. You don't have to actively, you know, calculate the risk and the return and, in in terms of investing in the stock market, you wouldn't have to, you know, um, study up on the company, figure out what their P&L, you know, reports are, and then all do all this market research. You, you, you save your time from doing that. Or some people to preserve the purchasing power of their money, they invest in real estate. Well, that also involves risk. If you have a rental property, you got to maintain it, you got to get the, you know, deal with the tenants. And you, of course, in the first place, you have to go source it and to find the right property is key, and that takes a lot of time and effort. So you're sort of saving time doing all of those things to try to preserve your wealth. If you believe in Bitcoin, then you put you make that conversion, and then you can just and then spend your time doing other things. Yeah, well said, well said. Because yeah, I, I used to spend a lot of time um, learning about all those things, mm-hmm. <laughs> and trying to put my money in different places and. And yeah, sometimes it works out and sometimes you lose on that volatility. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody's still, you know, we, 
the fact that you cannot save and save money and have it purchase the same amount in the future is is the, the so so generations ago probably even before our grandparents because when you had when when money had maintained its value meaning they were basically backed by gold mm-hmm. and the prices over time because of technological advances would go down mm-hmm. and so you all you had to do was live below your means save some money not in anything you could even save it in a mattress Mm-hmm. And it would buy you more tomorrow, meaning tomorrow is any time in the future, than it would at that moment. So, you know, that goes along with the high time, low time preference that Austrian economics, uh, they use a lot. But that it encourages a, a low time preference, meaning that you prefer to postpone your immediate wants or something in the future because maybe you can get more of that for the same amount of money or you can, um, that whole saving up to buy something is almost uh, uh, not very good advice in this current environment. <laughs> you can't. And, and I actually, I specifically remember, this is when I was um, young and stupid, but I specifically remember a conversation in my own head that I had with myself. <laughs> where where I was contemplating buying something and my justification was if I buy it tomorrow or the next week, it's going to be more expensive. So mm-hmm. I'm going to buy it today because there is a zero incentive if I need that thing today to buy it later to delay the gratification of buying it now because actually tomorrow will be more expensive. And the argument of, well, if you save money today, you can invest it and have more money in the future. What they don't tell you is you can also lose it. Investment involves risk. But if I buy it today, I am for sure getting this thing today cheaper than it would be tomorrow. That's the way I would justify spending to myself. And I can see young people today thinking the same thing because they're watching the prices go up. Housing has gone up insanely, you know, out of reach for a lot of people. And what is their incentive to save today except to invest in something that involves risk because return is tied to the amount of risk you take, right? Right. Um, yeah, it's just, I can see how how almost hopeless the situation might seem to students. And then I see them going out to Starbucks and spending $7 for a cup of coffee and there's some rationale that is happening in their head to make that purchase okay. And I think it's literally just the result of our financial system sort of discouraging them from thinking about the future because it's so uncertain. I I sense that a little bit in the young people that I see today. My kids are all um young adults and I can I can sense it. It's not spoken, but I can sense that f- that feeling. I don't know if you have observed something similar. Uh, well, it does incentivize it. In, so in the inverse, in the inverse of that, what we were talking about with, with uh, the generation where you, they were incentivized to save 
Mm-hmm. Now it's, you're, you are not incentivized to save now. You're incentivized to consume. Right. And so, yes, I think we all, we all feel that in some ways. And we all respond in that way. That you, you actually, and taken to its, taken to its uh, height, you would actually need to spend your money immediately upon getting paid if your inflation was high enough because it will lose value that quickly by tomorrow. And anybody that has gone through hyperinflation, which many countries have many times over, um, you will see, you know, you see that. Yeah. I'm sensing a little bit of that myself, actually. (laughs) (laughs) When I go, when I go buy groceries, I'm like, well, Today, it's already double the price from two months ago. So maybe I should just buy a whole lot today so that I can save now because I know two months from now, it's going to be whatever percentage higher. I can feel that myself when I go to the store. Right. Yeah. And and under uh, just not feeling that anxiety, meaning that you, you have this confidence that whatever you bought today will not rise by double. You you then would be incentivized not to uh, buy more. Right. right. You don't need it yet. Yeah. Sort of the just-in-time inventory system, that can only work if you trust that the, that the price will stay pretty stable. So right. yeah. I have always struggled with that notion, but that's for another, another <laughs> conversation. <laughs> But we're, yeah, I mean, that's, we're responding to those incentives of, of the system that we're in. Yeah. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about your, the reading group that you have formed to learn more about Bitcoin? Uh, yeah, so we have, well, about <clears throat> this time last summer, um, we started uh, uh, just a four-week summer session. And it was meet once a week and four weeks because we use looking glass education mm-hmm. and it's just a free online uh, introduction to, I think it starts out with what is money and there's about three or four modules. So I just, we just split it up over four weeks and uh, you can do some reading or listening either way. And then we would get together once a week at a coffee shop in the afternoon and just talk about the last section. So I would take some notes and a few other people would take notes. And it really fostered just a, a great conversation. Um, we had quite a few people at our first meet, meet up for that. And so we had several different conversations about it going on. Mm-hmm. And then from there, <clears throat> it was um, some of our regulars really enjoyed it because we were just meeting once a month, like most meetups do. And so after that, we just started, decided to start reading a book. And so our first book was the book of Satoshi, which was just all the early writings. Um, Satoshi was even writing, which that was from basically, the writings were from 2009 or 2008 until 2010. Because, uh, so it was just really early question and answers that were on like some of the early talk forums. Mm-hmm. So um, from there, we just kind of decided 
from the last meetup what we wanted to read next. So we've also gone into some articles, um, more recent articles by uh, like Alex Gladstein. He did a whole IMF deconstruction in World Bank, and that was really good. And so we would do the same thing, just break it up into maybe about 50 pages per week. And, and then, um, but all the, all the books since then, our articles have been just by recommendations from anybody that comes to the meetup then gets to put input for the next uh, topic. Yeah, that sounds really fabulous. It's such a nice structured um, way of coming together with knowledge, because I think one of the concerns that pre-coiners have is once they are convinced that Bitcoin is worth their time studying, they don't even know where to start. It is There's no clear path specifically for pre-coiners to get to some level of expertise. It's just like a hodgepodge of a lot of information. So having something structured like glass, the looking glass and then specific books and articles that they just find fascinating, the discussion that they that you end up having will help kind of build that foundation, even if everybody's coming in with different levels of knowledge about Bitcoin, having right. that central discussion topic, I think will be so helpful. Yes. And then even um, after a while, too, it seemed that some people may not want to come because we'd be halfway through a book. But I'd always put as a disclaimer that come anyway, because we, we end up talking about all kinds of things about Bitcoin, because one one thing from the book will trigger something in somebody and then we'll we'll go talk about that. So um, that, that way it wasn't something that if you came midway through and you found out about the reading um, group, that every, it was still everybody was welcome and you could have a great conversation even if you didn't read the material. Yeah. Uh, so that was just a side if you ever decide to do a reading group. <laughs> if anybody yeah, for sure. wants to do that, have a nice way to um, continue on with like a transient group, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I, I was thinking about doing that with our own meetups, but we, we're we not at a point where we can meet up every week. So I think it makes it a little bit difficult, at least for my particular group. But I've always kept that in the back of my head. I need to copy what you're doing. <laughs> I think it's, it's really helpful. Um, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap up. Do you have any last sort of recommendations for people who are sitting on the fence? Um, it's not too late to learn about Bitcoin. Um, even, you know, I, the way I see it is that even the last person that learns about Bitcoin or, uh, you know, the last person that comes to Bitcoin will still be, uh, it would still benefit them because that would mean, you know, we were on a sound money system, mm -hmm. um, that's what I think. I think it, it just is something that if you, even if you don't have time, like take, take some time. Mm -hmm. We all waste some time of our day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe uh, what helps me if I'm wasting too much time, I will schedule it for myself. Um, so schedule, you know, 20 minutes to an hour, maybe about an hour and, uh, just put some time into it and learn about it. It's well worth it. I hope listening to this conversation has piqued your interest and inspired you. I've been inspired by Elizabeth to start an online reading group for 
Orange Hatter Women. So if you're interested in joining that reading group, please email me directly at tolly at orangehatter.com for more information. Be sure to subscribe to the Orange Hatter podcast so you'll be notified when new episodes drop. Thank you for listening and see you next time. Bye.